Know Thyself is dedicated to the exploration of the most rewarding task an individual can ever embark on, the journey to find oneself. Our intention is to investigate the universal principles that have equipped our species to seek the treasure of all treasures, self-knowledge. With your host, Daniel Pawinski and Eduardo Manteca, this is the Know Thyself Podcast. All right, so welcome back to the Know Thyself Podcast. Right. Yes, I'm here with Daniel Pawinski. Hello. I'm Eduardo Manteca. And today we're going to continue our journey through the planets and their correspondence. And today, one that we're very excited about, which is Venus, right? Yeah. As we were speaking before the podcast um, started recording, the Earth's sister planet, right? Morning star, you know, the second brightest object of natural origin in in the sky. And, uh, and the only planet with a female name, you know, I thought that was very interesting. Um, but, uh, I know we'll, we'll break down a lot of the different, um, understandings of Venus, the things that we've all probably heard about Venus and its history. And as always, I'll let Daniel take it away from here on out. Yeah, man. Well, also always great introduction. Um, you know, I love how you approach the idea of Venus, um, being called morning star and that's something we are going to um, kind of cover today. And yeah, we're really going to look at Venus and what a perfect time to look at a planet of love, right? We need it in this world. Um, and this is such a unique planet um, because this is really what you would call the minor benefactor. So you have, this is going to kind of have the same kind of energy as Jupiter. So a lot of times it's easy to see the positive, but again, there's also going to be some negative aspects that can be presented us with Venus. And that's going to be something we want to um, really kind of investigate. And one thing we also want to keep in mind, just like when we were having our discussion on Saturn and Jupiter, and we really use those two to compare each other and talk about how you balance each other out with each other. I would really love for our audience to reflect on that episode on Mars because Mars and Venus are really going to work together. Um, and that's how you kind of balance out those two energies. So like always, we kind of just go over, you know, what is Venus? So Venus has always been kind of considered the goddess of love. Okay. Like Eddie said, this is very much a feminine planet. So really the two feminine planets are going to be Venus and the moon. Um, cause the moon in astrological understanding and alchemy was recognized as a planet, even though we know that it's just a satellite of earth in modern day. But, um, again, this is going to be kind of where that feminine energy comes from. And it's Venus is going to be very connected to nature. So it's really almost like mother nature at the heart. And again, it's very much a female, um, planet and even its symbol and its sigil is the sign that represents the female sex. Okay. So again, here we see that comparison between Venus and Mars because Mars represents the male and Venus is going to represent the female. Okay. And remember these are, we're talking about energies here and these are the energies that are in all of us. It doesn't matter if you or your gender is male or female, you, um, you use all these energies internally, right? And we see them in the external world as well. Um, so again, just kind of some stuff that Venus kind of represents. Again, it's feminine, nature, love, attraction, care. Um, again, kind of keep in your mind that whole episode we had about the last principle, that gener generative force of care is really going to make itself apparent again here. This is the archetype that that generative force is used from. So Venus is a very important um, planet in regards to that grace beauty, value, art, equality, 
justice, unconditional love, relationships. And that's going to be really interesting um, because we're really going to kind of break down the idea of relationships. And that actually kind of goes really deep as well. Um, But yeah, really the big thing that we're going to kind of pull on and connect back with old episodes is that generative force of care, what you value and what you love. Okay, Venus represents the question as well the answer to those questions. So what you value and what you love is that generative purpose. So Venus is your purpose where Mars is your drive. So Venus is going to be the director of Mars. Okay, so a healthy Venus is going to direct a healthy Mars. So this is what you value and what you love, and then you take that Mars energy, push it into the direction of accomplishing the ends of Venus, okay? So really think about Venus is your purpose, Mars is your drive, okay? Mars is that transport of energy to fulfill your Venus, So really, really reflect back on that Mars episode and how powerful that energy was and how Mars makes you move. What you're really trying to move is to complete the ends of your Venus. So this is when Joseph Campbell, Eddie, you brought this great quote up last um, when we were doing the hero's journey about follow your bliss. When he was speaking about bliss right there, he's really identifying with Venus. Um, And again, like you said, it's one of the brightest lights in the sky. Um, Venus is... um, In the morning and in the night, it stands right next to the sun as one of the brightest lights in the sky. So really, this is about finding your heart's desire, opening up that heart chakra, um, and really starting to generate the energy of the heart. And the heart is really this electro, it's the biggest electromagnetic conductor on your body, okay? We... Science is just slowly catching up to actual power of the heart and how it actually generates your aura, and it's the biggest generator of electromagnetic energy in your body. And there's some great science that's breaking through right now to really tell us about the heart and its generative force. And that's really kind of going to be represented with Venus. Um, And so the aspect I kind of first want to have a discussion with you about, Eddie, and kind of we'll kind of go from here with this discussion, is the idea of Venus being about relationships, connection, and connectivity. Okay, it's like union, it represents marriage and attraction. Um, It's the aspect of bringing components together and the beauty that comes when components come together. Okay, so one thing we mentioned earlier that um, Venus represents art. Okay, now really kind of think about art. You have this blank canvas and you have paint sitting in a jar, maybe on your desk next to this blank canvas. That canvas doesn't have a lot of meaning, and that paint and the jar does not have a lot of meaning. The aspect of bringing these components together creates the importance, the significance, and the beauty. So it's the union of the lines and the colors become an expression of beauty. Okay, so really, again, art is this, the connection, it's the coming together it's the union and in the marriage, it's the paintbrush creating the lines, it's the color coming through and filling in those empty spaces. So it's really that relationship is where that beauty is being created. And if you think about it, um, that's what art is. It's you're right. celebrating a union and connection, yep. right? Like we look at the guitar, a guitar by itself, I mean, it might be like physically beautiful, but it's not going to have any like beautiful sound. It's not until you bring in that union of vibration, either from your guitar pick or your finger, that actually makes that union happen. Right. Right? Yep. So um, 
Yeah, so it's this aspect of bringing components together is this beauty of Venus. So again, as you kind of learn about these planets, really start seeing the interplay and the dance of the planets and how they all work together. Remember, they all have their special traits and they all have their special characteristics that they bring to the table. And what you really want to do is kind of see how they all play together. And that's really the aspect. This I know we learn these planets in this like linear and we break them up by planet by planet. But again, really try to understand the holistic understanding of these planets and how they all are part of the same dance. They just might have a different part of that dance. Mm -hmm. um, but just the the idea that, you know, that blank canvas does not have meaning until the aspect of you bringing those components together and creating that union, that marriage, and that harmony that kind of comes from Venus. Um, or the courtship. The courtship, exactly. Yeah. And that's exactly what we're seeing represent. Um, and again, what are we celebrating with relationships of people? Okay, it's the same thing. It's those two components of those two individuals coming together, which either makes a beautiful relationship or a toxic relationship, right? Um, so really understanding the significance of Venus really kind of comes down to union, connection, connectivity, and also attraction. What attracted you to make those lines fill in those covers? What does your heart attract to you? Um, it's that pulling aspect where Mars is kind of that pushing out and like pushing energy and pushing those limits of Saturn physically. Venus is all about attracting that energy back, bringing it in whole, making it have kind of a holistic understanding. Yeah, also, um, go ahead. No, keep, keep go, my man. Well, I was just going to say, I, I also really appreciate in the more literal sense that Venus itself is hot enough to melt lead. And I just think that's a very, Ooh. very powerful thing, you know what oh, I mean? Oh, amazing. Because, I mean, that's how I feel with that kind of female energy, you know what yeah. I mean? You have such a, as a male, speaking as a male, you know, you have your opinion in the way that you guide your energy. Um, and I guess that would be in like in the sense of the Mars energy that we talked about. But here's Venus, you know, hot enough to melt lead. Right. You Melting know? the barriers of Saturn. Wow. That's amazing. That's an awesome, awesome. And again, isn't that so interesting how astronomy supports astrology? Right. You said that in the beginning. And that's, yeah. yeah. And it's it just the more true. you look at it, the more it kind of comes up. Um, you know, and that's so interesting too. Like there's been so many individuals who will go out and, because um, there's not a lot of books out there that actually debunk astrology. Most people who start writing books to debunk astrology actually turn out end up writing a book about astrology. There's so many prefaces. I've read so many astrology books to be like, I started this book to debunk astrology, and I ended up writing a book about astrology. Interesting. Because um, again, it's this information that's just so kept for us, and because of course it's kept from us. They can't have us being sovereign individuals who know of thyself. Like, that's not going to work for them. They're not going to be able to sell us the crap or get us afraid of this crap. Right. Right? Because if we're sovereign individuals and we know who we are, you are a lot harder to manipulate, control, and put into a cage. Exactly. You know, mentally, physically, or spiritually. So, um, yeah, of course, they're going to make the oldest uh, subject in the world and just kind of... And that's why they just don't even let you look into it, like in school. And I know we've spoken about this, but... You know, like you bring up astrology with a teacher and they just laugh at you. Like I, right. I was at dinner a couple nights ago and there was a table next to us and they were talking about astrology and it was just this girl and she was just making this conversation and the men just laughed at her and just talked down to her for the rest of the dinner. Like I was kind of like eavesdropping. I don't know how polite that is, but I was just kind of curious to see where it was going to go from that. 
And then after that, like the girl tried just to kind of continue the conversation and talk about whatever these bros were talking about, like baseball farts and stuff like that. And she was just like, and they wouldn't even let her get back into the conversation. They were so upset that she brought up astrology. It's like, you're so isn't like, that funny? isn't that so funny? You know, um, but I, I remember it. My teachers were like, who are you? Like, what are you doing? Even thinking about that. And then you, of course you're like, want to look good and you don't want to look like a fool. So you're like, oh yeah, I, that's crazy talk. But you do a little bit of research into it. And like you right. just said, like it, the science just opens it up. Like the idea that Venus can melt lead. Um, yeah. That's just absolutely fascinating, man. So um, yeah. Um, and again, you know, one of those things that I really like to talk about, cause we were talking about art just now um, and that driving force and Venus is all about what you value and what you love this is also why it's so apparent when you can tell an artist is starting to do something just for the money. You can see it immediately, right? Like we saw it with um, like the punk bands we grew up with. Once they kind of had that big record contract, like their music changed, that rawness changed in it, the speed, the energy. Um, and they were making more money and stuff, but now they were targeting an audience because their producer came in and said, no, you have to make your song doesn't have to be five minutes. It needs to be two minutes and 30 seconds. You know, you needs to fit this formula if we're going to play you on the radio. Right. right. And you see this breakdown of this, um, of the whole culture. And that's again, like the band gets big, but they, it's usually with new fans. Once they sell out, it's like a whole new audience. Um, and the old audience is kind of like unreceptive to it. You know, um, and again, sometimes bands go through transformation, artists go through transformations, and that's that's totally part of the process too. So I don't want to really say that, but you can just tell, like even Salvador Dali, you can tell when he started just getting paid a bunch of money. Like the end of his life, Salvador Dali was just like he just knew he could just like go up there and just like finger paint something, and somebody was going to give him millions of dollars for it. So he didn't care as much as when he was young, hungry, and what he valued, and was right. able to do what he valued. Um, so. It's just so interesting to kind of watch that, um, really what it is. Um, and again, yeah, Venus is just this expression of love and what love is. Um, and it's that what you value, what you care about. And also, you know, this it's hard for us in the West, especially as English speakers, to speak about love. Um, and I know you and I have had this conversation before, um, but in English... We only have one word for love, right? It's just love. And ancient Greece and other religions have multiple different words for the multiple different expressions of love. They have a word for the love of family. They have the, a word for romantic love between you and your partner. They have a word for the love of humanity. They have a word for the love of God. Um, I think this is kind of why... In the West, we almost struggle with the concept of love because, you know, when you really start studying um, spirituality and you really start studying this esoteric understanding, you can really almost make the statement that the universe is love. The universe is this relationship of causes and effects and these natural laws that are playing together in this beautiful right. um, orchestra. Um But when you explain it to somebody who's not really aware of that and you say the universe is love – they kind of just think you went off the deep end because again, we have this like really f like false expression of what love is and the power of love. And again, love, it's that connection. It's that ability to open up your mind. It's that expansion of consciousness, the ability to see the relationship between patterns, to see the relationship between cause and effect. It's such a far, um, far reaching word that we really don't give enough expression to. Um, 
And we see that with like the inability to understand exactly what love stands for. So, um, you know, love is this really, really complex idea that's this far reaching idea that we just, we don't even properly express throughout our language, you know? No, I agree a hundred percent. And I think that's, that's back to you, what you're talking about with, um, just having it to be one word that we use in the English language. You can see that even in music across, um, other cultures, they have a different way of expressing that meaning of love. And you're absolutely right there. It, it does have a far reaching meaning that we've kind of limited mm-hmm. here in the West, or at least in, in, in our English, um, linguistics or, or the language that we, that we speak, um, and you can sense that when you want to express something beyond your understanding, but you know is there and you, you don't know where to pull from as far as like your bag of, you know, words. And you're mm-hmm. like, well, I love this. And there will be conflicting ideas when people are like, well, what do you mean? You know right. what I mean? Like I've only reserved the word love for certain things like the love of this or the love of that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how that's applicable. And I think that's, uh, that's really damaging uh, as far as not being able to, to have that. So I, I agree with what you're saying, especially with going back to your example about a painting. So like being able to put that purpose or that adoration into the art that we create, you can call it um, what it is. But when it's done, people say, I love this, this painting. People will still say that, but it came with the same principle of love mm-hmm. to initiate it in mm-hmm. the first place, to put mm-hmm. it onto that blank canvas, you know? Right. Right. Um, so, uh, no, it's, that's brilliant. I really like that you're bringing that up. Yeah. Yeah. And again, love is so much about relationships, connectivity and attraction. Okay. So yeah, when Eddie was just talking about like, oh, I love this painting, you are attracted to something within internally in this painting. Um, you know, so Venus really is talking about this connection, um, and it's the connecting of everything, especially, I mean, even just physically think about how love represents sexual relations. It's a connection that happens. It's a physical connection, but you know, within this love, and I think this is what I was kind of trying to go with, with this idea of love is everything has a hierarchy in our, um, in consciousness. You know, there's a hierarchy between the right decision and the wrong decision between being acting through love or through acting through fear. And it's this, and it's this hierarchy and love and Venus are almost the representation of that hierarchy. Mm-hmm. Right. And as you travel up that hierarchy, you are able to perceive more of beauty, more of this connection and this higher aspect. Um, and I think that's something that was really, um, really also kind of lost in our world today because you know, we um, have kind of moved away from this hierarchy of virtue and morals where we live today. You know, every, we kind of, we traded, um, and actually we'll probably do a whole podcast on this, but Frederick Nietzsche in his essay, and he wrote, it was called The Death of God. And again, like atheist and scientist left brain people challenge this and they they parade this around like, oh, this is science announcing the death of God. And that's not what Nietzsche was talking about at all in that essay. What Nietzsche was talking about is the metaphysical principles that underlie science lost their lost their foundation. And what this was was it was the hierarchy of values and morals um, and the idea of right and wrong was re- replaced with equality. And so no decision was better than the other. No action was better than the other. So really what it was doing was it was replacing virtue and moral purity and ethical understanding 
with equality. And again, we're not talking about like the equality of people because we're all equal under natural rights. Like everybody, it doesn't matter where you live, what skin color you are, you all have the same natural rights from the creator. Um, and it's something that we have to fight for. But they were talking more the, equal- the equality of thoughts, the equality of emotions, right. and the equality of actions, which there is a hierarchy of. And that's what beauty represents. And that's the scale of beauty. And that's, again, why what's so unique about that Venus aspect of beauty, because it is, it's this, um, it's that lens that you really can start perceiving what is beautiful. And again, we kind of jump back to, um, you know, when Nietzsche was talking about this, he was just saying, this is going to be the death of society. And he called them tarantulas. And he said, you know, he called them all tarantulas. And he was just like, you don't even want equality. You're not about equality. You're about revenge. And it's just so apparent how he made this. And again, we'll do this whole a whole episode on Friedrich Nietzsche's essay uh, because he was he was calling these individuals out, and he's just like, you just can't, you can't, you don't have the moral fortitude to rise up the scale and beauty and to get to a higher understanding. So you want to take the whole system down and just make us animals and robots. Um, so again, he had some. Uh, Amazing foreshadowing from a great philosopher. Great philosopher. On that aspect. Yeah. So, um, so again, um, you know, we kind of use beauty and Venus and beauty have this connection to them. And when we kind of talk about beauty, again, there's scales of beauty, you know, um, there's internal beauty that's higher than physical beauty. And we know this from like, you know, you see like this beautiful actress on TV or this beautiful actor, right? And you're like attracted to them and you're like, wow, they're beautiful. And then you hear them speak and they're just narcissistic or not saying they're all narcissistic, but they could just be very, you know, narrow-minded. Um, I mean, I, I kind of think of like the celebrity, um, like kind of like the reality TV stars, how they kind of like parade them around of like, these are just low vibrational, low frequency beings, but they might be like physically beautiful. After you watch like 20 minutes of a uh, reality TV show and somebody you thought was attractive in the beginning, you could be like, that's the ugliest person in the world, right? And then you could be walking in, find like maybe like a a homeless person who looks like they've had a really rough life and you have a five minute conversation with them. And all of a sudden, these are like some of the most beautiful people you've Mm -hmm. ever met and they have a really high understanding. So again, beauty has this hierarchy that sometimes you can't just tell on the surface and you kind of have to go deep down inside, but it's an important hierarchy and it's there for a reason because beauty um, and how we utilize beauty is beauty is what recognizes what is ugly in our life and in our surroundings. Okay. So this is why um, we talk about Jordan Peterson, Jordan Peterson's big, big lesson for anybody that's working through psychology and kind of working on themselves. His first lesson in like knowing thyself is to clean up your room. Right. And we've spoke about this before. Um, and he takes it even further. He says, don't even just clean your room. You want to make it beautiful. And the reason why you want to make it beautiful is because if you could just make one thing beautiful and you work on that and you make it as beautiful as you can, it's going to have effects on the rest of your life. And all of a sudden that beauty is going to work out and it's like you're playing with fire. And what that beauty is going to do is recognize all the ugliness that is in your life and that you need to kind of um, work out and clean out and then do that whole process of making something beautiful. You are going to make your whole life beautiful. And that's something that's, I think, really important in this kind of idea of, you know, start small, make a portion of your life beautiful, and then that will expand out. Um, so it's that's kind of that aspect that we have. So, oh, well said. 
you know, that's that's what it is. And again, beauty comes from this Venus idea of love. And love is an internal feel. It's like knowledge and it's like truth. So say I have 100% love in my heart right now and I give you 100% love. I don't lose any percentage of my love by giving you 100% love, right? So like, we can't really look at that with energy. Like if you couldn't, if you like, say you couldn't move like your house and I moved your house for you because you had zero energy, I'm going to lose some energy in that aspect. It's the law of thermodynamics. Right. The law of thermodynamics does not even apply to love. If I give you 100% of your love, my love, and I give it to you, I still have 100% love. Hell, I might have 200% love because even the the aspect of passing on love, you've, you've seen it, you felt it yourself, is expansive. And it's, it's enlightening and it's invigorating, right? Um, love and knowledge is the one thing that, as you give it, you don't lose any. If anything more, yours increases. Okay, so it's this generative process. Again, the generative process of love, the generative process of your heart, it's endless, it's vastless, it's mm-hmm. infinite. This is, again, why people call the universe love. It's because it's this infinite energy. It's this source of energy that is just going out. Consciousness is always going. Consciousness is always moving. And that's why we always use love in this explanation. Um, so how we kind of want to use Venus um, in relation to the other planets, again, it, it helps soften Mars. And again, it gives, it gives direction to Mars. Venus is the rose-colored glasses that you look for. You've heard that term before, like, oh, that person sees the world through rose-colored lenses. And this is how you want to see the relationships personally that you have with the planets and also with all your other relationships and every other esoteric matter, matter, even your relationship to national law, natural law, okay? You have a free will decision to approach every relationship through that highest hierarchy of love. And that's very important in this aspect. So that's what you use Venus for. You use Venus as a lens to perceive the relationships you have with those planets. So you learn to love the limits that Saturn sets for you. You learn to love the expansion that Jupiter grants for you. You learn to love the drive that Mars gives you, right? So as we go through these planets, you use Venus as this infinite energy of love to perceive relationships, because that's what Venus represents is the relationships, the coming together and the attraction. Okay. Even your relationships that you have with um, your partner or your friends, all aspects of relationships you want to view through this lens and how you see the relationships again with natural law. That's one of the most important Learn to love natural law. I know it's limits. I know it's emotionless and it's the cycles of the universe, but learning to love the cycles of the universe and learning to love the idea of cause and effect is going to change your relationship. It's going to change you from victimhood to creator, right? It's going to be from instruction follower to master builder. And that's what we're trying to get through. And you do this through the aspect of love. And if you operate through love, when you obtain those powers and you obtain that higher perspective, you're not using it for manipulation, but rather for inspiration. Mm-hmm. You're bringing people up. You're not holding people down. Um, and that have, that all happens through the aspect of Venus and the aspect of love. Well said. So, No, yeah, that's, that's – I know that there's something that we talked about that when you – when you speak about love in the way that you speak about love, which is beautiful, by the way, in the full definition of that word, is simply this. You cannot cover light with darkness. Light can 
literally obliterate darkness because the light, even if it's small, is is present within a dark room. And then what I want to say about that in regards to love is in regards to cleaning your room or keeping something in your room that makes it beautiful, that it transcends into other aspects of your life, think of someone who is into gardening, okay? So for a plant to survive, it requires certain elemental uh, processes or, or, or regards in regards to like how it's being taken care of. When you see someone who has no agenda for another, say, individual in this case, and the only thing that they're pushing onto is their want or their need or their love to let this small plant grow in your room. If you have a plant, I would start there with that very small amount of light that I'm talking about in a vast room that's dark. So the room could be like 30,000 square feet as far as its size, but with one candle in there, we know where the light is. I feel the same way about when you give love to a plant. So when you walk into someone's room, you're like, wow, I I just, I find this person so attractive. I find the environment that I'm in so attractive and, and you will find yourself looking at things in that room. Like, Oh, is it the paintings? Is it the, the, the aroma? Almost everything else I guarantee fell into place after, or maybe when they once started with something simple, like either cleaning their room or putting one plant in your room. Cause you're going to have to put that energy, that Venus energy that we're talking about, or just love into taking care of that plant. And it's as basic as it sounds, it takes an, a, a series of effort, but it's one that requires you to be fully invested in or else the plant dies. And it's not necessarily to say those who don't have a green thumb, well, you're, you know, you're heartless. That's not what I'm saying, <laughs> but it does take a lot of work to, to, to take care of that one plant. But when you meet someone who takes care of that one plant or many plants or a garden, you know that they have put on that energy with love in order to let that, um, that living being or that, that plant survive from all different seasons and all different years, which then you feel in that room. And then the room sort of expands. And before you know it, you just, you, you can't really pinpoint it, especially when someone that you've just met you know, has this sort of energy, watch and see like, what are they putting that energy towards? And if they have something as simple as a plant or a clean room, you'll realize like, oh, it starts small and then expands outward. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it's, it's, again, it's the same thing to say, like if you walk into a room that's 30,000 square feet and it's dark, that one candle will be that all you need to, as far as to see um, that glimpse of, of light. And that's mm-hmm. how I feel about what you're saying in regards to the Venus energy and and more so into love, you know, it's just like, once you start that people can really see that for what it is and then expand from there, you know, or at least be guided through that. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And again, um, you know, Venus plays such a role with taming that taming and nurturing that divine masculine. Okay. Um, that Venus is going to soften that masculine, soften that Mars energy and form it so it actually accomplishes the higher will that we're going to kind of get to when we talk about the sun. Um, but this is what the story of the fairy tale Beauty and the Beast is all about. Beauty and the Beast is about Mars and Venus and the interplay of the two and how that sacred feminine really softens that divine masculine. And then he becomes the protector of that sacred feminine, which is so important. You need to protect the sacred feminine. You need to express that divine masculine. And that's kind of what it's all about. And the balance in between those two personalities is a rose. If you remember in the story, it is, it is another, again, back to talking about a a plant, but it is nothing 
that's so out of this world as far as the enchantment that is in that story, it's a rose. Mm -hmm. And for every petal that falls, the rose gets closer to dying. Mm -hmm. Every time they, they gain ground as far as meeting one another, the rose survives. And so mm -hmm. I think that's just very, it's a very, I'm glad you brought that up. It's a very profound story, but yeah. back to that rose inside yeah. of a glass. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm glad you-, you Absolutely. Yeah. And what do we perceive the world from is that rose covered glasses. And again, you know, the more abundance rose in the darker that color, the more abundance of that love energy. And again, you know, we, um, you need to have your will. It's not all about just this Venus energy isn't just about giving in or being like a yes man or being like a weak individual. You still need that Mars strength. You need to work everything together, but you use that Mars strength through the lens of love. You use that, you understand the boundaries of Saturn through that lens of love. Nice. Um, yeah. You know, and really what this comes down to is you are the artist of your own life. Okay. With your thoughts, your emotions and actions, you paint the picture, you paint the landscape. Okay. You decide the colors that you use. Again, there's going to be environmental factors like we talked about with rail, rail your boat, right? There's going to be waves that come in. There's going to be different waves of stream, but you are the individual that decides how you want to paint that picture. And it doesn't matter what happens. As long as you're aligned with love and truth, you will paint the picture you need to paint. Um, you know, Willy Wonka said it best, you know, you are the music maker. We are the music makers. And again, we talked about that when we talked about patterns and vibration, but just viewing the world through this lens of greater understanding, the expansion of consciousness, everything. So love is, again, we speak about love as the expansion of consciousness and fear as the deflating of consciousness, okay? So every aspect you see, every pattern, every relationship, how does this expand your consciousness? Every thought, how did this expand my consciousness? Or was it not working to expand my consciousness? Look at your thoughts, your emotions, and your actions. Again, watch yourself like a snake. Make sure that you are, you know, it's your own thoughts, you're reflecting on your own emotions and you are conducting your own actions. And if you do this through this love energy and you align yourself with truth, that is the path. That is the, that is exactly what we've been talking about since day one. And that's, what's going to bring you home. Right. Right. Always, always, always. And, you know, I do want to talk a little bit more about, uh, since we are talking about Venus, I know that if you were to, for our listeners, if you were to research, Venus, you're going to find a lot of the, um, the classical art, right? Especially mm -hmm. the, uh, the uh, neoclassical art, but there's a really good depiction of it by, uh, um, his name is Sandro Botticelli and Ooh, he, yes. he, yeah, he's got a great painting that I recommend, uh, after you listen to this to look at how he, even how he just has this, this depiction of Venus. But what I wanted to ask you, uh, in regards to that, you know, those images that we know about, um, not so much with the Vedic astrology, but more so with the Roman um, understanding of Venus and, and love and beauty is something that I think we'll save for another podcast. But can you just explain, expand a little bit more on the idea of Aphrodite? You know, like there, there was, it was kind of from there, that right. Venus came about, but can you just clarify that? So, yeah. So Aphrodite is going to be the representation. Um, 
in Greek mythology right. of Venus. Okay, and so the Egyptians have um, a representation of Venus as well. So this is just the embodiment of that. And then we're going to hear it through the stories. And again, you listen to the stories of Greek mythology. Aphrodite is, um, again, she's a lot of times she's going to save Mars. She is that expression of love. She's an expression of love at first sight. Um, but where we can see where Venus can get in trouble is also look at the stories. Aphrodite causes a lot of wars from the untamed masculine, which is that Mars energy that's not tamed, untamed, and it's not softened to the idea of protecting the sacred feminine. Right. Rather, it's like this like measuring contest, dudes against yeah. dudes, right? Yep. So, um, so again, this this love energy, you know what? I'm so glad you brought that up because we really we didn't really say anything like the negative aspects that kind of come from Venus, and it's really important. Um, you know, this is there's a difference between self love and there's a difference between vanity. Right. Okay, there's a difference between loving your partner and the difference between like obsessive control over your partner, right? So Venus is again, it's it's like Jupiter. It is this benefactor and it has this emotional energy and stuff that's very appealing and easy to listen to, but there is some negative aspects, the aspects of um, kind of like really almost controlling, um, more controlling, not in like a physical sense, but more almost like a mental, spiritual sense, I would mm -hmm. say kind of falls under Venus. But again, that vanity, um, uh, you know. Yeah, because I mean, not to interrupt, but that's, I, I love that where you're going and I want you to continue because of what you find. And that's what I was trying to tell our, our listeners is that what you will find is what you have said about Venus is exactly the path that I would want to stay on or talk about for hours, but I'm glad you're bringing the contrast, which is, you know, the things that you read in regards to uh, materialistic yes, values and yes. like people obsessing with aesthetics or pleasure. And yeah. it's like, mm, I don't want people thinking like, that's what we're directing this conversation towards, but I'm glad you're bringing up you know, yeah. that that's still a factor that they people. Yeah, no, that's a perfect. In. And that's a great way to put it, man. Pleasure. Um, the love of material things and the attachment to material things to where we just kind of think that everything's about wearing beautiful clothes and wearing beautiful jewelry, which I mean, is important. Like if you express yourself through wearing something beautiful, that's fine. As long as your internal self mirrors that beauty. Yes. So like, you know, there's individuals that, you know, just like to wear like sweatpants and t-shirts and they're internally beautiful and they, they come off beautiful, you know? Um, and there's some people that like to get dolled up, you know, like me and you, even sometimes like we, when we, when we used to go out, we'd be like, are we wearing ties tonight? And we're like, oh, most definitely we're wearing <laughs> ties. You know what I mean? So like, we understand that aspect and that, that aspect of play in there. And again, like, you know, you find a lot of self-expression through designing your house and making stuff beautiful and even like their garments beautiful, but it's got to represent something more, right? It's got to represent that higher hierarchy. And again, beauty is the, it's what gives us those hierarchies and it, it's what gives you a, the idea to rise up on those hierarchies. Jupiter yes. is going to kind of help you expand up. Mars is going to give you that energy to climb it up, but really you want to go for true beauty. And again, that's something that's been taking out of our, um, our lives. Like they've, they, I, um, I always say the social engineers, they, they're very good at hijacking. Like one thing they did is they hijacked art and art is not about beauty anymore. Like art is very much, there's a fundamental level of beauty. Like you look at Renaissance paintings, there's something beautiful about it. And of mm -hmm. course they implement the golden ratio. So they're using nature in their art. They're using the Fibonacci sequence. Okay. They're painting higher aspect, higher order, 
hierarchical things, right? So what they did is when they made modern art, these social engineers hijacked it and it went from being beautiful to shocking and shock value. And we see that in every aspect of media expression. Mm -hmm. You see that in popular music. Like, again, I'm not talking about there's some amazing indie bands and there's some even some popular bands that make beautiful music. But when you really start looking at like the charts of the most popular bands in the world, or like what's on the radio, I mean, again, we have such an amazing underground music and like with the internet, the, the music industry is just so vast and huge that there's some beautiful music. But when you actually stop and listen to what's on the radio, it's absolutely disgusting. No, it's terrifying. It's terrifying. So like with my students, we were doing a creative writing thing and I was just like, hey, like you pick seven songs and you make a mixtape um, and then turn it in. Like you don't make the physical mixtape, just like write me a paragraph about each song and like why it relates to you. Oh my gosh, dude, I didn't know who this Cardi B person was. Oh, terrifying. The most terrifying. terrible. And this is like pumping to the children, you know? And and again, this is a they school that won't better. let me have an astrology club because like, right, oh, I don't right. know what teachers are going to react to. And I'm like, their kids are listening to Cardi C or whatever. Like right. it was the craziest thing. Um, but again, it's all about shock value. Yep. You know, even with the beauty of the female, like what they did is they made it all about shock value. And now it's just... You know, it's not about the beauty of the female body. It's how much can I show the female body. And it's not even like a celebration of that because it's just they've they've kind of inverted everything, okay, um, with music. They changed the tuning of music, mm-hmm. right? 432 is what we used to tune instruments to. Um, I don't exactly remember what we tune it to now. It's funny. I was like, gonna, I want to say it's 44 something. Maybe it's 440. Um but the, the tuning of like even instruments from like Mozart and Beethoven, mm-hmm. we don't use that tuning anymore. And it actually has a physical effect. Like there's um there's a tool called a cymatic machine and you put sand on it and it and it feels the vibration of right. the song. And if you put Mozart on there, it literally makes sacred geometry. Like it, anytime they hit a certain note, it makes sacred geometry. And I know we've seen this before, but I really would instruct um Listeners, if you haven't seen this, just type cymatics into um, Google or like DuckDuckGo, which is a much better search engine, um, or YouTube or whatever. Hopefully, you're, you're on a better video site. But you can see this in the expression of this, and it's it's just unreal. Um, you know, they've limited our ability to express beauty and even in our language. So like, it's harder to reach those higher aspects with the tuning of the guitars and the tuning of the instruments now because they changed that. And even in our language, like English is Hebrew language inverted. Okay, so we are literally speaking upside down when we speak English. And they did this on a reason. So it would be harder for us to reach those high archer vibrations that right. words can actually create. Um, again, that's why they gave us one definition of love. You know, right. that's, th- this isn't an accident. Like this was, this was planned. Like they tried to destroy the connection relationship that we have with the universe. And that's another thing we have to remember. It's not just the relationships in the universe. It's our relationship to the universe. And that's exactly. something I didn't even bring up. And I'm so glad we kind of went back around because that's what, well, that's why when people say like, you are the embodiment of love because you have a relationship with this universe as above, so below, um, just like we were talking about row, row your boat last week. Not only are you the boat, you are the water as well. You right. have the whole experience. Um, and being aware of that um, and honoring that, and then also honoring your physical five sense experience for the evolution of your soul. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, just just beauty. And, you know, like taking that passion energy and turning it into compassion, you know, turning 
um, you know, what you're, um, you know, taking that low spiritual like excitement into inspiration, always taking it up those hierarchy of values and love is that top tier of that hierarchy. And that's that ladder you kind of make to. So when you, when you make your life beautiful, when you climb up that ladder, you are approaching the kingdom of God. And that is why we climb the ladder. It is to make our way up to universal consciousness and get back to the start of this relationship. And well that's said. what the journey is. Well said. Well said. And uh, I'm so glad you brought up music. I know that for our listeners, this is a rant that I can go on for hours. Um, both Daniel and I have, as he's expressed, been ongoers of, and like the rest of the world of, of, of shows and music, but, um, man, at a very young age, I was very fortunate to listen to a lot of classical music. And, and I don't mean that in a pretentious fashion, I just mean, that's just what my parents listened to. So when I would move over to pop culture or at least what other people were listening to, it was pretty quick to know how to like divide that, um, vibration you're like oh this is this representation of this one idea or this one feeling and here's another one that allows me to sort of ascend to a higher level of thinking so um not to go down any kind of rabbit holes right now about that but we will have a podcast about this sort of social construct of music and why it's so easily accessible and why it is free to your ears um and how it's engineered that way to basically keep you away from thinking at a higher vibration, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So uh, again, I don't want to go too far into it because I can go forever. Oh about yeah. This. That's an endless one. So, uh, but that's great. That's really great. I'm so glad we made a full circle there. Um, but yeah, I mean, with that being said, I'm, I'm not really sure if there's anything else I could really kind of bring up that we didn't already cover in regards to Venus. So if there's anything else you want to add to this, um, by all means, um, no, man, I think we, I think we did a pretty good job. Um, again, all of these planets you could talk forever on, you know, um, everything, you know, we could kind of mention. And you know what? One thing we should kind of address because we said we were going to do it in the beginning and then we didn't say anything about it. But, um, the idea of Lucifer. Oh, we um, did. Yeah, we did talk about that. Right. You know, and, uh, what we'll do is we're going to come back around and talk about Lucifer because, the story of Lucifer and the difference between Lucifer, the devil, and Satan is really important in your spiritual journey, and it's a very important story to talk. And again, it's kind of the story of Prometheus. It's the, the retelling, or Lucifer's the retelling of the Prometheus story, but it really kind of represents how you use that Venus energy, right? how you use that, that light. The light that, bringer. Exactly, the, the light bringer. Light. So how are you going to use that light? Are you going to use that light to guide other people to the light or are you going to make a shadow and that's kind of where the dark dark occultist lives is making his own shadow creating his own light and thinking that he is the creator of the universe and that he can actually partake in being god um which will never happen um right. like johnny cash says you can run 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 as fast as you can, but sooner or later, God's going to cut you down. Right. And that goes to the social engineers as well. Um, so yeah, you guys don't stand a chance. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, dude. <laughs> love it. Um, well, great, man. Uh, I think this is, this is a very powerful um, idea to bring up to, to the rest of, of our listeners, because we are in a time where we need to rely on, on something so vast and powerful like love. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a perfect time to be wearing that lens and kind of seeing that, you know, um, 
And again, love will give you the power to stand up for these natural rights because you see your connection with these natural rights. And everybody deserves these human natural rights that are for everybody. Love wins. Love wins. We're going to win. We're going to (laughs) win. Great, man. Well, with that being said, until next time. Until next time. All right.